All right, let's do it. This is the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. Here we go with episode 130. Thank you so much for your time today. As always, it is greatly appreciated. Just a couple minutes, we are going out to Las Vegas, back to the South Point Hotel and Casino to talk to Chris Andrews, the gentleman of gentlemen, who's going to break down this weekend's college football card. Now, in addition to that, Andrews is going to tell you about the Thursday night action report regarding the Browns-Jets game, the Temple-Tulsa game, which is taking place in college, and we're going to have a discussion about what took place at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey last weekend. Big controversy. We're going to get Andrews' opinion, and I got a feeling he might have a story from back in the day where he went through something similar. However, since this is our college football episode, we begin with the upset alert. Thanks for nothing, Utah, as the Utes got smacked 21-7 to at home last week against Washington, making this year's upset alert overall record 1-1 one one through two weeks heading into the weekend. This weekend's game is a doozy. East Carolina plus 21 at South Florida Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This is a fascinating point spread here as East Carolina is rested and coming off a bye to face a South Florida squad that has needed every bit of the full 60 minutes over its last two games against Georgia Tech and Illinois, respectively, to overcome double-digit second-half deficits for very tight victories. Take note, South Florida 1-4 against the spread over its last five conference games, but this is where things get interesting. While just about every trend points to South Florida, case in point, East Carolina 0-6 against the number over its last six games against the Bulls, I'm hearing from several little birdies whom I trust that East Carolina is absolutely the sharp side in this matchup. So you can call it our upset alert this week if you want to, or you can call it our insider special of the week. Give it any name you want. Just make sure you get down on East Carolina plus 21 Saturday night. To Las Vegas we go, and another return to the South Point Hotel and Casino. He's the sportsbook director there, one of the best guys in the business, Chris Andrews, joining us on the Sharp 600. Chris, as always, thank you for your time. I was speaking with uh, Jimmy Vaccaro earlier in the week. He said business is booming down there through the first two weeks of the season. Is that true? Oh, my God, yeah. You know, I mean, Joe, I don't know what it is. Last couple years, the college, I mean, not only has caught the NFL, but it's, it's surpassed them on most weeks you know so we just if you have a good college menu man we are we are so swamped on saturday and if, you know the listen the nfl's always going to be the nfl so i mean it's just been fantastic get yeah, terrific year so far and hopefully it'll continue all right we're going to jump into the college card in just a second but being that it is thursday what are you seeing so far in tonight's cleveland jets matchup the browns what 450 and one straight up over the last 55 <laughs> is tonight the night Posted something on Twitter. I think it was just this morning. They're o one and one. It's their best start since like two thousand and four or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I think, come on, that's that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's been mostly Browns action. I'm looking at it. They laid the three like crazy. I mean, I'm at three and a half, so we are getting some money back at the three and a half. But this game is being bet like you can't believe. Uh, 
you know, arguably two of the worst teams in the NFL. But, you know, there's a lot of drama involving the Browns. There's always drama involving the Jets, it seems like. So we just have a ton of business on tonight's game. And as long as it doesn't fall three, I'm going to be very happy no matter what the outcome, I think. Anything shaken for the college game? Temple's laying about six and a half against Tulsa. No, there's not too much on that one. Uh, Although tomorrow's schedule, we have some uh, really good action there. Uh, We got a little bit of money on Tulsa. We opened the game seven. We're down to six and a half. But, uh, you know, uh, that's really a sideline tonight. Only your diehards are betting that one. All right, so the big story in the sports betting community this week is what took place at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. For those listening who may not know, a better walked up to the window late in the Denver Bronco-Oakland Raider game. Now, Oakland was winning by two, but Denver was basically getting set to kick the game-winning field goal. The individual made a $110 bet on a live wager for the Broncos to win the game. It should have been somewhere around minus 600. The 110 should have paid about 18 bucks. Instead, because of a glitch, he got 750 to 1 odds and was trying to collect then on an $82,000 winning ticket. Now, FanDuel has said they're not paying out the bet, and this has people up in arms. Some are saying the bet needs to be honored. Others are saying this is clearly, clearly a major mistake. Take me through this process from, like, the South Point's perspective and the community's perspective at large. What happens here with these mistakes? Well, let me tell you exactly what happened to me one time. And this is, I want to say, 2004, uh, the St. Jude tournament. Uh, David Toms had an eight-stroke lead. We, You know, it was me. Hey, you know Nick Bogdanovich, uh, Right, oh, yeah. Joe. I might as well throw Nick under the bus. It was me and Nick. He's over <laughs> at William Hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me and Nick still one of my very best friends in the world. But he and I were running the Golden Nugget, and, and we forgot to close it out. I mean, I can't believe it was our responsibility, but nonetheless, it was. <laughs> we forgot to close it out. So a guy came in and bet, and like numerous times, you know, two hundred, two hundred, two hundred, and we added up to like about forty-seven thousand that he was betting on David Thompson to win the tournament when it was clear. To quote Nick, he said he could have played with a frying pan that day and still won the tournament. You know, so <laughs> so it was you know, a blatant, a blatant mistake. State made us pay. We had to pay forty-seven thousand. Now that's you know a pretty significant amount of money. They ruled against us. We appealed. Went you know, sat through testimony, wrote out everything. They still made us pay. So I have a feeling were this to happen in Nevada. They would make FanDuel pay. How it's going to work in Jersey, I have no idea. But, you know, I I mean, it's hard to say that I'm on the the side of the better in this case because I'm really not. But, uh, you know, mistakes do happen. And, like I said, in Nevada, I have a feeling they'd make them pay. You know, I I don't know how Jersey's going to do this. I think this will set uh, a lot of precedent for them. Uh, you know, for the years to come. So I, I'm really interested in seeing it. I'm you know, kind of rooting for Fandle a little bit, but part of me is still bitter from the, from David Tom's. Uh, <laughs> David Tom's. was 14 years ago. You know, I had to pay this thing out. You know, so I don't know. I have kind of some mixed emotions on the thing. But, I mean, clearly it was a mistake. I don't think they should have to pay. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But that that's, uh, I think, in Nevada they'd have to pay. Well, Jay Cornegie from the uh, Westgate was telling a story about how um, they – they uploaded the line to their online mobile app incorrectly for an LSU game where the line should have been LSU minus 54, and instead it went out pick them. And they took a bunch of action on it, and they ended up paying out all those bets, even though, though you know, it was a 54-point mistake. 
Yeah, I can see that. You know, I mean, I've had issues like that where I just say, you know, the hell with it. Let's just pay it, you know, because, like I said, we could fight it. We could take it to the state. But, you know, if they're just going to rule against us anyway, let's just do it now and avoid the bad publicity. And uh, I don't know exactly what Jay was talking about. I don't remember that game specifically. But, you know, Jay probably made the right decision. You know, what the hell? Just pay them and, you know, we'll move on. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. And I don't know how much money FanDuel has, but I I would have to suspect that that's not going to be that significant to their bottom line overall, where this thing's going to – uh, you know, probably cost them. Uh, you know, in the in the world of uh, you know, in the court of public approval. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. And that was going to be my follow up. Eighty two thousand. Sure, it can be a lot of money, but they're taking a ton of negative publicity this week, and the industry is taking a lot of negative publicity at a time where things need to look above board. When marijuana was legalized in Colorado, they went about it a certain way, and and you've got to present it to people who are against it a certain way. Uh, do you? think this is a bad look for the business i definitely think it's a bad look for the business they should just you know smile and pat the guy on the back and say hey i hope we uh continue to get your business thank you for playing here and you know some of the other things and you know Fanduel, i really i I haven't dealt with them i don't know them all that well but you know they they've kind of uh alienated themselves a little bit with some of their their uh their straddles like on the baseball and you know, some of the money lines they had in football and stuff like that that, you know, I think a lot of the guys who are kind of in the know don't have a great feeling right now on FanDuel, and this this certainly hasn't helped. Friday night, USC, Washington State. Uh, USC has really struggled this season, but it looks like the money's coming in on the Trojans. Washington State, any chance in this one? Yeah, I give them a pretty good chance. You know, when the, the number opened uh, – I think we opened three, although I think I saw some two-and-a-halves open as well. And, uh, you know, you just think it's time for USC to kind of rebound a little bit. We're kind of in that that stage of the season where, uh, you know, if you are going to be a decent team, it's time to start showing it. And some teams maybe not quite as good as they have looked on paper if they beat maybe some soft competition. Uh, so I think it's time right now for USC to show it. But now that I'm seeing this number four and a half, I even see a couple of fives popping up. But that seems a little bit too high to me. I could see the uh, the original thought at USC minus two and a half or three, but you know we're up we're up about five now. Yeah, I'd be I'd be awful careful. One that I've been tracking is Texas TCU. Now TCU falls last week in a big time game in Texas against Ohio State. Meanwhile, Texas beats USC, but more importantly, here we go again. Texas head coach Tom Herman in the underdog role, so you'll be hearing this stat all week. Going back to his OC days at Ohio State in 2012, Herman is 12-4 and straight up and 15-1 and against the number as an underdog. So how do you see the money shaking down here? Will the public, will the Sharps be getting down on the Horned Frogs as a road fave, or are they going to back Herman in Texas? So far, it's been all TCU. We opened the game three. We haven't moved it yet, but all the money is on TCU. Now, I don't know if it's public or some wise guy play, but the wise guys certainly have not come in yet at taking Texas uh, with a little bit of value plus three. I personally made the number one and a half. Uh, I think TCU's pretty good. Um, I, I think Texas hasn't. That's one of those teams. I don't think they've really shown their best yet. You know, they got a little bit lucky against uh, USC. That that score probably wasn't quite indicative of uh, of what really transpired on the field. Uh, I, I like Texas a little in this game, but like I said, it made a one and a half. It's three. It's you know kind of pretty close. But I have a feeling this number is going to go up, and then I think the wise guys will probably jump in when the number gets a little bit higher. 
Stanford minus two at Oregon. It's interesting with the Ducks. They've gone through nothing but coaching changes since the departure of Chip Kelly to the NFL. What am I supposed to make of this Oregon team as a home dog? Well, the number's one and a half and two. We've been kind of back and forth between the two of them. I think the number's kind of about right. Um, you know, I was a little bit high on Oregon coming into this season than, uh, you know, a good friend of ours, Chris Felica, the Bear from ESPN. Oh, yeah. He, he told me, he says, don't, he says, Oregon is not that good. I'm telling you right now, they need another year or two to get anywhere near where they were. And, uh, you know, last week's game against San Jose, <laughs> that was, you know, not very good. You know, I really thought that they would blast that team, but they didn't. And Stanford's one of those teams, not very exciting. Uh, you know, run first down, run third, run second down, pass on third down if you have to. I mean, I think David Shaw, there's a lot I like about him, a lot I don't like about him as a coach. But one thing you can say, he wins an awful lot of football games. And I think this one, you know, it's pretty low number, one and a half, two. You're pretty much just asking them to win the football game. I kind of like Stanford in this, and even uh, to make my case even a little better, I'm looking at the money here. Most of the money's on Oregon. So, uh, you know, you've been around a long time too, Joe. Public's on one side. you got to kind of take a pretty good stare at the other side. So yeah, we know what that means. Yeah, public's <laughs> on Oregon. Kind of lean, lean towards Stanford. Like I said, an exciting team. Not really, but they sure win an awful lot of football games. I think they win this one, too. You know, i got to make the case. It's a departure to the NFL for just a second, but it looks like the public's going to be very heavy on Kansas City as well. And I'm sitting here in the Bay Area thinking, man, do I play the Niners? Does this thing get to seven? Are you kind of getting that sense as well? Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, again, I know you have a lot of experience in the NFL. I mean, it's just this this Mahomes kid has looked fantastic, and, you know, we can make the case that, you know, Andy Reid, he's done fantastic work with quarterbacks his whole career, must have known something when he got rid of Alex Smith. And, uh, I mean, the kid has looked fantastic, but come on, I mean, he's not – I mean, he would make Tom Brady look like a minor leaguer if he keeps up these kind of stats for another 18 <laughs> years. You know, and I think you know we probably got a little ahead of ourselves on Jimmy Garoppolo last year, coming into this year. But I still think Niners pretty good team. Uh, again, I see all the, you know, all the money, the small money is on uh, on the Chiefs. Uh, I've had a little bit of wise guy play on the Niners. Nothing, nothing too uh, earth shattering, but I kind of have a feeling this number is getting a little bit too high. Six and a half. I think there's a real good chance you see a seven in this game. Matter of fact, let me look on my screen right now. I don't see any sevens, but I have a feeling you're going to get there. Uh, you know, I think that that's probably a pretty good take. I think Chiefs probably not as good as they've looked so far, and Niners probably a little bit better. I still think Niners are going to be a pretty good team this year. LSU goes to Auburn last week as a double-digit dog and wins outright. Now they open somewhere in the neighborhood of minus 22 against L.A. Tech. That number has since dropped through 21 to 20 at most places. Is this that inevitable letdown spot for Ed Orgeron's team? You know, I did a study about four or five years ago, and I wrote an article about it. If you just blindly bet these Southern teams, the non-SEC Southern teams, against the SEC teams, it, it hit, it's like it's like an incredible, like sixty-eight percent, something like that. And most of the time, it's you know teams, you know LSU, we know is much much better, has much better athletes, and in this case, they're coming off a huge win. 
And these other kids, they're still pretty darn good athletes. The South produces a lot of kids. You know, and some of them just aren't quite good enough to make an SEC squad being recruited by one. But they're still pretty good football players, and the game means so much to these kids. They're really going to play hard out there. And if you just blindly bet every one of them, you'd be pretty uh, – you'd, you'd be – doing pretty darn good and uh, i think this is probably one of those cases i'd be looking at the dog or pass for sure georgia laying a big number at missouri anyway the tigers hang with the bulldogs this bulldog team is nasty yeah i think they hang with them i think drew Locke's a kid that uh you know i know he's had some personal issues over the years and you know but been pretty good on the field uh, you know, I think right now this is uh, this is a team going to be, I think, a live dog at home, and uh, I think that this, uh, uh, I think the back door is going to be wide open here, and I think uh, you know if you bet Georgia, you're looking for nothing but a blowout, and I'm not sure you're going to get a blowout in this case. I think uh, I think Missouri hangs in there with this team. What about Bama A and M? Can you hang Crimson <laughs> Tide numbers high enough? You know. <laughs> You know, Joe, I, mean, I have this little system I use. I hate to call it a math model, but it is a formula. And uh, the Charlie Ward Florida State team, how many years ago is that? God, that's got to be 20, 25 years ago. Anyway, that's been the highest graded team that I've ever had on my uh, in this formula. Well, Alabama surpassed them this week. Really? And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I had a friend of mine who's a pretty good football guy told me, he says, he thinks this is the best Alabama team Nick Saban's ever had. And I was, you know, I'm always skeptical. You know, I mean, that's our job as, as bookmakers. But, uh, like I said, I run the numbers, and, uh, you know, it's as close to an objective formula as I can create. And I know there's some biases in it and all that. But still, this is the highest-rated team I've had since uh, it surpassed Charlie Ward's Florida State team. So uh, I'd be awful careful betting against Nick Saban uh, at any time the rest of the year. I, I, I think I would need a, little, a few more points than what they're getting uh, what, than what uh, A&M's getting from Alabama. Wisconsin gets shocked last week as BYU rolls into town and upsets them. That might hurt Iowa fans because now Wisconsin's in bounce-back mode, but the Badgers are still laying three for a night game at Kinnick. And you and I, as Big Ten guys, know night games at Kinnick could be an absolute disaster. What are you thinking about Wisconsin-Iowa? I'll tell you the truth, Joe. I think they got the wrong favorite in this game. And I said it going into last week. I have a kid that works for me who's from Wisconsin, big Wisconsin fan. And, uh, and again, just the numbers that I run, I told him, I said, you know, Wisconsin is just not that good this year. They haven't produced. That was early, obviously. We're, you know, two games into the season going into the BYU game. I never dreamt BYU was good enough to beat them. I never dreamt that. But afterwards, again, I reviewed that numbers, and I started looking. I said, you know, this team just is not that good. They're resting on a lot of other laurels. And uh, Iowa, again, you know, we talked about David Shaw and, uh, and Stanford. Uh, you know, Iowa – Kind of the same thing, you know. Not a very exciting team. They're going to play very close to the vest. I'm playing. I'm looking at the totals, forty-three and a half, incredibly low for a college football total anymore. Uh, but th- this team wins an awful lot of football games. I really thought this game should be, you know, maybe like a Iowa one one and a half point favorite. Like I said, we're cutting it pretty close. But I do think they have the wrong favorite in this game. I like Iowa in this one. I just, and part of it is, besides what you said about Kinnick Stadium on. Saturday night, it's going to be tough. But Wisconsin, I just don't think is that good. If you look at their numbers, they're just not producing the way they have been the last couple of years. And I thought there was a team that, you know, just 
kind of the way the schedule worked and everything else, I thought there was a real good chance they could be in the national championship uh, in the, the final four. But uh, not the way they're playing right now. They have just not produced on the field. Final question for you. Any under-the-radar games I haven't hit on that the Sharps might be liking? I know Utah State and East Carolina are two games that are drawing some attention. A lot of total action on the Utah State game. Where's the one game I was looking at today, and I can't figure out why there is so much money. Yeah, East Carolina. Um you know, uh, Joe, I wish I could give you a good answer, but I don't know. But the wise guys have come in on East Carolina in this game. We were running the game 22-and-a-half. I think there's even some 23s around. We're down to 21 now. And all of a sudden, I, I hear from a couple of friends of mine, uh, pretty sharp guys, that said, oh, yeah, there's a pretty good buzz right now that East Carolina is the right side in this game against South Florida. And uh, I don't know. I'm look- I was watching the news this morning and seeing all the – issues they're having in the Carolinas, you know, with the flooding and all that other stuff. And I don't know. I don't know where that handicap's coming from. I guess they're in, they got out of Carolina earlier this week, and they're down in South Florida, and some good things, I guess, are creating some sort of buzz. But that's, that's a way-off-the-radar game with a weird team that's getting an awful lot of action. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at Andrew Sports, the sportsbook director at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And I highly advise when you are in Las Vegas to make a trip down there. Say hello to Chris. Say hello to Jimmy, the two of the nicest guys around. Chris Andrews with us here on the Sharp 600. I love you, my man. You always take the time out. The insight is fantastic. Thank you so much. Best of luck this weekend. Always a pleasure, Joe. You know, I love you too, pal. So anyway, you have a great weekend too, my friend. Just like a young man coming in for a quickie. Two and two overall record last week, which includes the loss in our upset alert, which puts us at seven and eight overall on the season. Not profitable, not acceptable. Let's turn it around this week. All right, game number one, Texas plus three against TCU, Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. Texas head coach Tom Herman in the underdog role. You know how we do it. Going back to his offensive coordinator days at Ohio State, Herman is 12-4 and four straight up and 15-1 and one against the spread in the underdog role, which includes a 9-1 ATS mark in the dog role, while as the head coach at Houston and Texas. This is also a revenge spot for the Longhorns, who fell 24-7 at TCU last season. Speaking of the Horn Frogs, Gary Patterson's crew got dropped 40-28 to last week against Ohio State and could experience a bit of a hangover from that game this Saturday for good measure. TCU is 3-10 against the number over its last 13 games as a Big 12 road favorite of fewer than 21 points. So here we go. The Horn Frogs are officially on alert as we're taking Texas plus the field goal. Game number two, Marshall plus five against North Carolina State, Saturday, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. This line has already moved a point and a half in Marshall's favor, and for good reason. Both teams are off a bye here as Hurricane Florence canceled Marshall's trip to South Carolina, as well as NC State's much-anticipated battle with West Virginia. But the key here is Marshall's history in the underdog role, as the Herd have covered six straight when catching points which includes two outright wins, not to mention the fact that Marshall is 21-6-1 against the spread over its last 28 non-conference matchups and 15-5-2 against the spread over its last 22 September games. These guys come out of the gates firing early. All that info, combined with head coach Doc Holliday's ability to get the most out of his football team, has us grabbing the five points with the thundering herd. 
Next on the list, it's Stanford minus two at Oregon, Saturday, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Oregon is on its third coach in three years and has failed to cover the number in every single game this season, which includes a highly disappointing 35-22 win over San Jose State last week, despite closing as 42.5-point favorites. Stanford, meanwhile, 3-0 straight up this season, allowing a staggering 7.6 points per game. David Shaw has the Cardinal buttoned up playing clean football, which includes a 5-1 ATS mark over Stanford's last six games against teams with a winning record. Lay the two with the Cardinal. Finally, Saturday, 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Pacific. It's Utah State laying 10 against Air Force. Air Force is off a bye, but the Falcons have issues at the quarterback position and are 3-12 against the number over the last 15 conference games. As for Utah State, the Aggies are a decent threat for the Mountain West Conference Championship game and are playing with revenge here after blowing a 21-10 lead to Air Force last year and then going on to lose 38-35. Big number, but remember, Utah State is already 3-0 this season, and their only loss, and that's 3-0 against the spread, mind you, and their only straight-up loss came by seven as 23.5-point dogs on the road at Michigan State, so we're laying the 10 here with the Aggies. To recap, your upset alert is East Carolina plus 21 over South Florida. You're going to play Texas plus three over TCU, Marshall plus five over North Carolina State, Stanford minus two over Oregon, Utah State minus 10 over Air Force. That's a wrap for episode 130 of the podcast. We love you, everybody. Be well and best of luck.